Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Fresh out of the shower and ready to record, welcome to another edition of Advantage Connors. Here, as always, your host, Brett Connors, coming to you from the east side of the country this time. I've uh, flipped roles with my co-host. Usually, he's on the east coast. Coming to you from my hotel room uh, at LaGuardia, New York, in Queens, next to the U.S. Open. What's up, Jimmy? You're in California, but you're back home. What's going on with you? I know you're sitting in a hotel room, but I'm sitting outside on the back patio watching a great sunset in Santa Barbara, California. So mm -hmm. uh, we miss you here, but I'm just thinking, Brett, we had such a great last podcast with our friend Peter Noon. I've had such good reviews on that. And I hope, you know, a lot of our listeners loved it because, you know, talking to him and, and what he has been through and you know, who he is growing up with and, you know, what he has done throughout the course of his life is such an unbelievable story. And, and beyond that, he is a storyteller. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the way he explains things and his music and his friends and who he grew up with and what it meant, the British invasion. Oh, my God. I, you know, I told him, I said, you know, would you come on again? I could talk to you for hours. And he said, anytime. And, and with all that, you you left me hanging. <laughs> I did. I, I did. Yes. Uh, uh, if you noticed, I was only in about half of the episode uh, with Peter. Also, by the way, great episode. A lot of fun having him on. Uh, you said like the people he's been around. Talk about just being a fly on the wall, like get him just getting to travel and be part of all the, you know, the other groups and everything. But uh, yeah, I uh, don't know what it was about halfway through the podcast. I started getting um, like the cold sweats. Didn't know what was going on. So I got up a couple of times, went in the other room, toweled off, didn't want to distract anyone with my dripping. And uh, eventually, <laughs> eventually I, like, I was like, ah, I don't know what to do. Like I, I'm hot, I'm cold and I'm sweating. So I'm just going to take a quick like shower, maybe try and, you know, reset your body temperature if you take like a hot or a cold shower. So uh, did that mid shower, uh, up came the breakfast uh, and then uh, it came up one more time. So I decided to hand over the reins to you to take it home. Came in, handed you a little note that said, uh, go on without me. Uh, I'm not going to make it. And, uh, and then you took it home. I got to say, you, you wrapped it up and asked some, uh, some really good closing questions and, and made it very interesting. I hope I didn't miss a beat. You know, you're usually the voice of security and, and, you know, who to go to when there's a pause or whatever. And I hope I didn't miss a beat because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning and, and learning from you. And I hope that our listeners uh, you know, appreciated it and, and really loved being with him because he is number one, a good friend and a neighbor, but, you know, his legacy and music and what he has been a part of is truly amazing. And, you know, I, I go to lunch with him and I can sit and I can listen to his stories for hours and hours. And believe me, he can tell them. He can talk. Oh, yeah. He's more than 
welcome to come back anytime. And I think he will, which would be great. Definitely. Yeah. Um, it's like almost like we barely scratched the surface on the stuff, you know, we could talk him and talk to him about, we didn't even really ask a lot of follow-up questions about, you know, I wanted to get into like certain groups and bands and, you know, what, tell me the story about Jimi Hendrix or did you ever meet this person? And, you know, I'm sure he met all of them at some point yeah. along the line. But, um, yeah, in reality, you guys didn't need me. Uh, he can talk. He's got so many stories and, and you guys were going so good that. It, yes, we do. Don't, <laughs> don't say that. We always need you. We always it need did, you. I did, didn't <laughs> skip a beat. So, but uh, glad to be back with you this week. And we got some stuff to update since we didn't talk. Tendis, one other thing I want to talk to you about. What about, I flew to New York Sunday and it mm-hmm. was right as the hurricane hit, quote yep. unquote hurricane yep. hit Los Angeles. There was a, you know, a lot of hubbub about this. Hurricane Hillary. Hurricane Hillary. Yep. Uh, It was pouring rain when I got, when I got to the airport and was taking off, it was pretty bumpy for about the first 30, 45 minutes with the turbulence. Um, and then later that day or or later that night, there was a 5.1 earthquake that hit Ojai, California. Uh It was the epicenter and Ojai is just for 30, 40 minutes from Santa Barbara, uh, you know, an hour and 10 minutes from LA. So, uh, man, natural disasters were were coming left and right. I was, I, I got out of LA just in time. But we got some rain, uh, which we need. And, and at this time of year, boy, we're, it's welcome yeah, because we're starting to get some pretty good temperatures for us in, you know, in the 80s and so forth. You know, we were sitting around after our game and all of a sudden, you know, uh, the uh, the alarm comes up on everybody's phone sitting around saying, duck, take cover. There's an earthquake, <laughs> you, you know, so and everybody's going, do we dive under the table? And I'm going, <laughs> what are we me. supposed to do? <laughs> you, you 13 can go, but I'm staying right here. But, but it was incredible. And, you know, for that to happen at the same time, the, you know, the, the hurricane and then the, then the earthquake and, and everything. What are the odds, right? The damage towards Palm Springs and, and in that area was really, you know, I saw it on TV. It was really rough. I mean, the, the way the, the water was flowing and, you know, the mud and it was brutal. Uh, but uh, the earthquake, you know, they say, you know, uh, your mommy was out of town and, and uh, she was coming back. She called me. She goes, did you feel it? And I said, no, I, I, <laughs> I didn't really feel it. But, you know, but it's only you know, 30, 40 minutes away. But that's close. That's really close. You know, and, and, and you know, we've got to remember in California that something like that, uh, you know, for an earthquake at 5.1, it, you know, I know that that's, that's a big number, but it's like a burp. Yeah. It's also good to release. It's like releasing a little pressure from the big boys. Right. You know? Exactly. And I don't mind those little burps like that. You know, keep the high pressure and everything that away. But boy, oh boy, you know, hurricanes here, hurricanes in Florida, tornadoes in Texas and the Midwest. Uh, oh, my God. You know what? What's next? Yeah, it's just <laughs> you know? summer. I mean, it's like every every summer there's stuff and, you know, they just choose to give it so much attention. We were on the on the plane getting ready to take off. And, you know, those like the flood warning that everyone gets sent on their iPhones, you know, where it's yes. like, you know, it's like some whatever warning is the same, like, like buzzing, like alarm sound. So like everybody's who had an iPhone on ring went off at like the exact same time. It was kind of oh, creepy. Boy. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> you're on a plane with like 200 people and it was just like, just what you want to hear. Just right. what you want to hear when you're getting ready to take off. Right. right. At first, you, everyone didn't know what it was. We're like, is it the plane? What's going on? And then, you know, it's, it's our phones. It's okay. It's okay. So uh, we survived and, and I hope there, there wasn't so much damage and I uh, hope, uh, uh, you know, from California to Vegas or Utah or right. Idaho or wherever, you know, the damage was done. I hope everybody's okay. But man, oh man, th- things are changing. But I saw some interesting, fun news that there was a little 
newborn giraffe. Okay. Uh, that's, I think, a couple weeks old from a, a private uh, zoo in, in Tennessee that was born that had no spots. Hmm. Now, that to me, that's incredible. I mean, they, they were saying, what would you call it? Mm-hmm. They were coming up with, you know, uh, different names and all this, you know, and, and I, I remember when we were living in San Ynez and we had some paint horses in, in, our, in our one paint, which was brown and white, her name was Candy, you know, had a fold. The fold should have come out with massive color because I guess the sire was uh, was white and, and it could have mm-hmm. come out with a lot of color and it came out with not one mark on it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know what we named her? What? Spotless. <laughs> <laughs> so don't say that we don't go outside the box. Oh, yeah. That's that, that's real risky. <laughs> It's like calling a golden retriever Goldie, like a spotless or spotless. Like. We got an imagination. Don't say that we don't. <laughs> so. Right. I think they should call the giraffe spot then. The fact it doesn't have right. any, maybe call it spot. That's funny. Yeah. What an amazing thing that a giraffe comes out spotless. It, mm-hmm. it was, I think it's like three weeks old and six feet tall and, and adorable. And Yeah. We'll find a picture and tweet it out. You know, it's almost like a reverse mutation or maybe it is a mutation, you know, like where they, you know, something in nature where it free, you know, like an albino. I saw something where there's like a pink dolphin somewhere or there'll be like an albino moose or something, you know, it's all white. And it's just like, you know, one every whatever million or 10,000 or 100,000, whatever the odds are. But we'll have to find a picture and and, uh, and tweet it and and let everyone check it out. I'm kind of interested to see it, too. I haven't seen it either. Nature is amazing. I know you're in New York and you took off. And you've got qualifying coming up, and then you got the U.S. Open. And who looks good? Who yeah. looks good in the qualifying? Who's going to make it through? What do you want to talk? Tennis, golf. We got the. You got East Lake. Got a lot of stuff. Let's talk golf. Okay. We got uh, what is it? The the playoffs are coming up. East Lake. Yep. Yep. Where's that? Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, I've had the privilege of playing East Lake with our friend Sam Bain. He invited me a couple of years ago to play the member guest, and and we went there, and it is an amazing course. Yeah, it's a, it's a little long for me, right. <laughs> but the fun that we had and just hanging with Sam was good enough because, we, you know, I've known him since back in the, the team tennis days when we played for L.A. and the yeah. bus and had a ball. But, uh, you know, the the dinners and, and the golf and, and the, the new friends that I met and, and the the opportunity to play that course was pretty spectacular. So that's cool. I'm going to be interested in, in watching starting, I think it's tomorrow. Yeah. I'll see if I, if I remember the holes and recognize the holes and how I would play them or how I did play them and you know what the result was, but you know, it, it's certainly a, a different league watching the pros and, and how they play. But I look back at a guy like Victor Hovland who comes from behind out of nowhere last week in Chicago to in shoes. I think what did he shoot a 61? Something crazy, to, you know, to come from behind and win that tournament, man, oh man, it's an amazing thing. You know, I see that and, and I try to feel the same way that they do. Like they're, they're hitting a shot and it lands, you know, two feet from the hole. And I'm trying to think, you know, I'm hitting the back end down the line. What'd that feel like? Yeah. Well, let's talk about the playoffs a little bit. It's the final week, right? Of the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Can you explain it to us? I don't exactly understand how it is with the odds and everything. Uh, the people who have been playing, right, like the last few weeks, accumulating like points or something? I think they take the last 30 or, or the top 30 
in, in the points to get in. And then if if you're number one, you start out at, uh, I think, 10 under par. Okay. You, you know, so right away, you know, it's like playing two rounds, <laughs> you know, okay. that, that you start. So Scotty Scheffler's the favorite. So he's like a pretty big favorite. He's plus 135 to win it. So to be that low of a number, I figured there had to be some reasonings yeah. for it. So he starts out in a lead. Number two might be eight under. That's Rory. You know, number three in the ranks might be six under. You know, number four might be, in, in, you know, whatever. And then you go five to whatever is what, you know, whatever, you know. And then you get down to, you know, uh, the last, you know, six or eight or ten are all even par. Yeah. And then they start out from zero. But but you know who has played that the best, you know, and I hope I'm not wrong, but uh, Xander Shoffley has really been one of the guys who has performed you know, the best in, in Eastlake, even mm-hmm. though he might not have been getting the most shots, he still performs to the point where he's at the top at, at, towards the end. It's an interesting format. Do I like it? Mm, it's kind of tough to have a guy who's the best in the world, like Scotty Scheffler, who is certainly the best in the world. He'll start out 10 shots ahead of a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. But that that's what they worked the whole year for. Right. You know, to be in that position, to have that opportunity, you know, to go in and, and to win FedEx Cup, which is worth what? Oh, 20 million bucks? Yeah, a lot. Wow. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. So the actual standings are Scheffler, Hovland, McElroy, Rom, Glover. That's the actual top five. And then the uh, the odds are Scheffler and then Rory, Hovland, Rom, and then Cantley. Cantley, 18 to 1. Your guy Shoffley is 28 to 1, if you like him. Um, wow. Where's he at? He wow. is, oh, he's a 15. So I don't know exactly how this starts. I'm going to have to look a little bit more into it. It starts tomorrow. So I'll be kind of keeping an eye on that. But uh, yeah, it's weird because they have to, it's a playoff. You know, they, they wanted to have some sort of playoff idea or system. So they had to kind of come up with something. You can kind of tell it's like kind of wonky a little bit. And it's like not gratifying seeing somebody like get a huge lead. But you kind of have to reward the guy who's been the most consistent, I guess, throughout the playoffs. So yeah, it's like, I right. don't know. Exactly. Who do you like? Who, who, who do you think comes out of it? Well, after after Hobla's week last week, how can you bet against him? Mm-hmm. Do you have a great week or a great day like that? And then, you know, does does it roll over or are you satisfied? You, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see. But, you know, you've got Rom, you've got Scheffler, you've got Rory, you've got... You know, a lot of guys, Homa, Cantley, Yeah, Armin, Homa, Cantley. Clark, your guy Fleetwood, is that 11? Yeah, oh, I, I like him. Mm-hmm. I, I like him. Fitzpatrick's and, at 10. And, 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 and you know you know who else I like? I like the, the kid who just won the British Open, Armin. Oh, yeah, Armin. Yeah, you know? He's up there. I, He's I like uh, eighth, eighth or ninth, I think. Yeah, I mean, there there's some guys, you know, hitting it straight... And, and keeping it in the fairway is is important there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting, but it, it's uh, it's no short course; it's a long course from where they play it, and and uh, it, it's going to be fun. You know me; I'm a, I'm a golf junkie. Yeah, you'll, <laughs> so, you'll be watching you know, it. I'll, I'll, I'll be I'll be watching, so it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I just hope it becomes competitive. You know, it's like you don't want somebody to like jump out ahead and then just like cruises to victory. I saw somewhere right. where like Rory's made something like sixty plus million dollars in the FedEx Cup <laughs> playoffs since it's the in- inception. I think he's won it like twice, and like you know maybe been in the top five a few other times. And, and the prize money so much. He's just yeah, I think like, he's won it three times. But is that what it is? I think three he's times. Won it three times. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, yeah, that makes sense. Two, three times. It, it just adds adds to the number. But uh, yeah, interesting. But you know, he, I think he came from what six shots back last year. Mm-hmm. 
obviously lights the chorus. Yeah. Lucas Glover been playing good. See if he can keep it going. Wouldn't that be great? What a story that is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, to, to me, I, I love stories like that. A guy who has overcome adversity, you know, had the yips, you know, went, went to the Adam Scott, Scott putter, uh, Adam Scott putter and, and watch videos on Adam Scott on how to, you know, how he puts and how he does it and how he works it and, and all that. What a story that is to me. I love stories like that. Yeah. I'm kind of an underdog guy to see somebody come back mm-hmm. and, and to have the success that he has had. Uh, over the past, uh, you know, uh, two or three or four months is pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. It just goes to show stick in there. Yep. Don't give up. Keep grinding. Never, ever give up. Always grind, always, you know, work towards a common goal, give it everything you have. And then if you have that success, it's well rewarded. But if you don't, you don't have any what ifs. Yeah. So let's let's hit the tennis. Yeah, let's catch a little bit up because we've been away for a couple of weeks. We haven't really talked much tennis. So two Masters 1000s took place in that time period. So uh, kind of some some news to catch up before we dive into the U.S. Open preview here. One thing that we like, uh, Toronto, we've been talking about it, you know, for a year or, you know, whatever it is now. One of our favorite guys here, Yannick Sinner. We've been kind of, you know, not crushing the guy about it, but just saying, hey, man, when when are you going to make the next step as far as like winning a Masters 1000 or uh, making a semifinal at a Grand Slam? And boom, boom, like within a month, he makes the semis at Wimbledon and then he wins his first Masters 1000 in Toronto, taking home the crown and shoves it in our face and says, suck on that, guys. What did you? That's uh, okay. (laughs) Exactly. That's 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 what we wanted. So what do you think about that? And then also another one of our, our, our fan favorites and our favorites, Jessica Pagula, the American coming through with, uh, I, th- I call it her biggest tournament win. She won Guadalajara last year, and I know it's considered a thousand level also, but this kind of feels like the first legit one, like old school Masters 1000. Um, so she took home the, the, the title. Um, so give me, give me your thoughts on those two, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Cincy last week. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like Sinner coming through. Him coming through and winning and and being a part of that and getting his his name value up, that to me, yeah, you know, it's just kind of proving that you know we've been kind of touting him for quite a while now. You know, he's he's had some good results, but not like that. Yeah, you know, so the the confidence that that, that he should have winning that event and and beating the guys that he did and now going into the U.S. Open. I mean, he, he should be brimming with confidence mm-hmm. and he's got the game, Brett. You know, we've, we've talked about that, you know, uh, over the last number of months that he has the game and, and the power and, and everything. It's just a matter of putting it all together. And it's, it seems that he did that, but he's going to have to beat, you know, the, the main guys now yeah, to win the U S open Alcaraz and Djokovic and you know he's he's going to have to beat those guys yep. you know to win this uh, to win this grand slam and it's going to be interesting to see how he faces that yeah i mean and i feel like he knows he can beat all those guys he's beaten them all pretty much individually i mean he had a great classic match against uh, carlos here last year when carlos went on his run to win yeah, man, I'm, I'm happy he won. It feels like it's just one of those things where like there's all this pressure and we all want it and he's just kind of going along at his own pace. You know what I mean? In his mind, he's not rushing, he's not late, he's not early, he's probably right on time. And uh, you're right, I think this gives him the confidence because we know he has the game. We've seen him beat Alcaraz and have some of the most entertaining matches of the last few years. 
And uh, uh-huh. so, so now once you got the trophies and you got the semifinal at Wimbledon and, and you start adding those things there, now when you get to a tight moment in a match or, you know, you know or whatever, you go to a third set and it's, you know, five all, you, you can, you know, kind of remind yourself, hey, like you've done this before, you can do this again. And then you look back and you got those trophies sitting there. There also comes to a point in time where you say, I'm tired of losing to these guys. Right. Once that hits you and you know you can do it, you've done it in the past, you're going to say, I'm done losing to these guys. I I felt that. I'm not talking for anybody else, but I'm sure Borg felt that. I'm sure McEnroe felt that. I'm sure Laver felt that. I'm sure, you know, the, you know, uh, Sampras felt that, you know, the the guys, Federer and Nadal, yeah, Lindell, you know, a lot of those guys get to a point where they say, I'm done losing to you. I felt that way when Nastasi beat me a number of times in a row. Or like we were such good friends. My mom, your grandma said, listen, if you don't get in there and start beating them, you're going to lose him as a friend. Right. Or like even remember, we talked a little bit earlier uh, in the summer, Martina. Remember Martina, I think, lost her first three or four Grand Slam finals, you know, and then she right. probably was right. like, you yeah. know, fuck this. Like, I'm, if I'm going to get there, I'm going to start winning these things. Right. You know, and it's just it's just like something clicks. And then eventually, you know, you're like you're building. He's getting stronger. He's been working with Cahill longer. You know, he's had a oh, I think like a year now they've been together. So the stuff they're working on starts getting put into into play and having results. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see it because we I, we really want their as, as much as we like Djokovic and Alcaraz and their little rivalry they have right now, which is amazing. We know that Joker isn't going to be around as long as Carlos. So we need guys to bubble up and become you know, his rivals are the guys that are going to push right. him and he's going to push them back and forth. And like, you know, exactly. I really, really hope one of them is sinner. Right. You know, so him getting, him getting the win in Toronto was, was awesome. And, and, uh, you know, hopefully he can use that to springboard confidence into Fleshy Meadow, which we'll get into in a little while, but Pagula, that was pretty good too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, give me, give me the, the two that over the past six, eight, ten months that we've touted. Right. Owen Shabor. Jabor, yeah. And, and, Savvy. And, and, Savvy and Pagula. Right. Right? Yeah. So you're you're the one that keeps me up to date more on the players and, you know, their uh, their progress and, and the way they're playing and how, how they're playing and, and the intensity and the excitement and the passion that they're showing. Yeah. You know, but but she, you know, is is one that should be in the mix with her game and, and, and all of that. All that does is is make women's tennis more interesting. Yeah, you know the the more that are in there, the more players that are you know vying and trying to be number one and 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 beating each other up. And, you know that. Yeah, winning big tournaments, beating Borg, losing the Borg, beating Mac, losing the Mac, beating Lendl, losing a Lendl, beating Panada, losing the Panada, beating the Stasi, yeah. losing the Stasi. That's what makes rivalries, and that's what makes people tune in. Mm-hmm. And there's only one person that can do that, and that's the player. Right. And and she and she's one that can do that. And I'm happy for her. Yep. I am too. I like watching her. Hopefully she uh she can keep it up. I know she likes the hard court, so um we'll see how her draw looks when it comes out tomorrow, I think. So let's check out this run. American tennis is doing pretty good pretty good right now. Three American men in the top like ten or eleven or twelve, whatever it is. I'll look it up in a second. But then the women, mm-hmm. the last three tournaments, check this out. Goff wins DC, Pagula wins Montreal. And then last week, as we move on to Cincinnati, Goff also wins Cincinnati. Wow, she's on a roll. American, American, American. Three tournaments in a row. 
Um, and just want to get your take on that because we've talked about like her and Pagula. You know, we were a little tough on them last year at the end of the year where they, they went winless at the year in finals, you know, but they had had a great year. It seems like they're just building on that year now with like, you know, big tournament wins, each getting a Masters 1000 back to back. They're also doubles partners. They're really good friends. Um, and then uh, also golf has started working with a new coach. We started working with Brad Gilbert, former player. I know you played against Brad. Um, and it seems yep. like, you know, it's having a positive result. Like, uh, you know, I think they've been, I don't know how long, at least a month or so. And, uh, you know, she's already won two titles and, you know, she's one of the favorites going into the U.S. Open. So what did you think about that? Well, I mean, you, you got to go step by step. You win a tournament and then you win a 250, then you win a 500, then you win a 1000. But in, and then you need to win a Grand Slam. Winning, winning the Grand Slam sets you apart in, in a different category. And, and so, you know, the steps that she's taking and Pagula, they're taking is, is, is they're on the right track. You know, but the, the next step is winning a Grand Slam. Yeah. So what does it take to win that? You just got to keep give, putting yourself in the position to do it, I think, right? Right. Yeah, you know, you know, you 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 you've got to be out there. The, the only thing better than playing and winning, Brett, is playing and losing. <laughs> because at least at least you're in the game. Right. You know, get in the game. Make second know, and, weeks and put, of tournaments, make, you know, final weekends and stuff like that. Just keep giving yourself chances. There you go. I think golf's made a Grand Slam final. Last year she made the French final but lost to Iga. I think she had never mm -hmm. never beaten Iga, but then beats her last week on her on her way to the right. Cincy title. Yeah, good victory. Good victory there. Confidence victory. Big time. You know, that, that that kind of sets, you know, sets the past losses aside and said, I've I've got the last win over you. Now if I meet you uh, in the US Open, I've I've got I've got the one up. Right. You know, confidence is, is a big thing. It's a big thing knowing, you know, knowing what you can do. And and I want to say this, that I was always taught that there's two things that you had to, to had to figure out on your own. One is greed and one is fear. Figuring that out. And, and I say that because you go into these matches and, and you think that you have it and you've got the confidence and you have everything going for you. And you go in and, and, and you think that... There's nothing that can happen to take away from that, but there is. It's called an opponent. Yeah, you know that 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 wants to come in and do the same thing. They want to beat you just as bad as you want to beat them, and that's what makes makes tennis such a great sport and yeah. such a great one-on-one -on -one activity. You you you've got to be able to master that on your own. That's a pretty good thing to try to figure out. I mean, obviously she's greedy. She's won two out of three tournaments. But do you think it's good sometimes? To, to get a new voice, to have a new coach, you know, like to yeah. mix it up and maybe, you know, hey, it's, it might not be personal. It's just like sometimes different players and mentalities and styles will click together. So do you think it's sometimes you know, the spark burns? Sometimes the spark burns out, you know, when when you're with a coach or whatever uh, and, and the spark burns out and, and you you feel that, you know, you, you can't connect, you know, and, and if you can't connect then you know, what good are they to you? Right. Uh, you, you know, so, you know, you got to get somebody that you can connect with yeah. and, and, and be a part of and, and that they're, that they can connect to you more important. They got to connect to the player. Yeah. You know, the, the coach isn't playing. It's the player that they have to connect to, right? you know, and find out what's right for them and how to go about that and, and to bring all that out in them. Yeah, that's the key. How, how do you bring that out? What do you think he's doing with her? 
Like, do you think he's uh, helping her with the backhand or serve or forehand? I I, I don't know. I haven't uh, I, I haven't seen it enough and and uh, heard about it enough to to be able to say. I'm not going to guess. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you know, a, a new voice, a fresh pair of eyes, different workout, a different feel, yeah. a different comfort zone. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that uh, that can enter into that 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 makes her go out there and feel comfortable. Yeah. Do you, as somebody who was taught by a woman and like, you know, talks about your, your fundamental game was like a female game because grandma and two mom taught you, do you look at the women's game and sometimes like, you know, wish, you know, think about coaching women, female players. Like now Gilbert's going to, to coach a female player. I think it's his first coach, a uh, female that he's worked with, you know, he worked with Murray and Roddick and, uh, and other players like Anisha Corey, I think somewhere along the line. Um, but do you, do you sometimes think about that? Like maybe, you know, like you would be able to help a female player more because of like your upbringing and that kind of thing or in your style or anything like that? No, I, I don't think more. I mean, you know, I, I was raised by women to beat men. My uh, expertise, I'll say it, you know, is on both sides. You know, I, I played a men's game, you know, to beat the, the best players in the world at my time, uh, you know, but being taught by women, you know, which was, you know, back in the day, that was persona non grata. You know, it was, you know, kind of be, uh, you know, an interesting factor on either side that, uh, you know, I was, you know, able to connect with Andy Roddick and, and, you know, have a good relationship with him and which is on the men's side. Looking back, Brett, the game has changed so much that that the way, you know, the kids play and their attitudes and so forth. And it's all a matter of listening, you know, and, and trusting, uh, you know, uh, my, my game and, and the way I played. When, you know, when, when Pancho uh, Segura, you know, uh, when your grandmother, you know, told Pancho to, to, you know, to take my game and to help me with my game, you know, that was a different era also. But it's all a matter, you know, of how you take it and the trust that you have in, in who is with you and, and understanding that they are doing everything they can to help you, <laughs> you know, and, and to, to make you better. Trust, you know, is is probably the 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 one word that would come out that I would say that anybody, whether you know a, a coach of a woman or a, or one of the guys, they come out. If you don't trust them, dump them. There is no I in team, but you know there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. We streamline hiring with powerful tools that find you match candidates. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data US. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it's all in one place. I don't like having to go around searching on the internet for different things in different places, making different phone calls, searching all over town. I just go to Indeed. It's my one-stop shop. They have everything I need for hiring all in one place. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Connors. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash Connors. 
Just go to indeed.com slash Connors and support our show, baby. Advantage Connors by saying you heard it here on our podcast. Indeed.com slash Connors. Terms and conditions apply. Do you need to hire? Then you need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Did you watch the Cincinnati final with the Joker and, and Alcaraz? It was like four-hour epic. I did. I watched some of it. I, I was actually... Uh, out on the golf course uh, uh, part of the time I was trying to shoot my age <laughs> how'd that go that that's where you should ask me what my age was yeah, yeah. What, what, what is 85 it? yeah <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but I did see some of it and and watch a, a lot of the you know the replay and the highlights and so forth yeah I sent you the highlight reel the highlight was like 12 minutes long it was crazy it's amazing yeah but see that's what tennis needs tennis needs that and and to have Djokovic, 35, 36 years old, still playing that kind of tennis and being followed closely and stalked by by a 20, uh, 21-year-old Alcaraz who wants to take his place and, and move him aside. That tennis needs that for the fans, for the people who not only want to watch, but also want to go out and and play, you know, every, every weekend or twice a week and and you know try to figure yeah. out you know how'd he hit that shot or what do you do there or or how can I do that or what what's it gonna take for me to you know to hit a forehand like that. That's what draws people to the game. You know, not just people who come and sit in the stands and love it. I mean that 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 to me is is yeah. the greatest uh but, you know the tennis fan. Why are the the high school courts empty and the public courts empty and you know we we gotta get more people out there playing again yeah well don't you think a match like this does it like the two best guys yes. on the planet going at it for four hours in a masters 1000 i i agree that's that's what it's going to take and it that's what i said tennis needs this yeah they're wimbledon final amazing this final amazing but here's what's amazing it takes a 36 year old guy to make it amazing <laughs> yeah yeah that to me is is, is the the big part of it you know, where, where is Zarev? Where is... Oh, don't don't where talk about is... them. I don't want to talk about them. Let's talk about the two guys in the match. Fuck Zarev. No, but I'm, but I'm <laughs> saying, where, where are they? It, it yeah. takes a 36-year-old guy, you know, to, to make that happen. Right. And, you know, for me, I, I love that. I love that because, you know, play, playing long is, is you know, uh, long is wrong. No, long is right. Yeah. I hope he plays and, and can play, you know, until he's 40, you know, at, at, at that level, because all that does is is create uh, the interest in the youth coming up. Alcaraz, you know, who's after yeah. Alcaraz, you know, well, in another two or three years, who's after him? Well, what do you think about him being down? Like he's 36 years out, old. It's he amazing. Just, he, no, just wait, wait, he lost Wimbledon. Everyone thinks, well, if he's losing on grass, he's going to lose on everything else, right? No. He's down a set in 4-2. He's kind of like, he looks overheated. He's like dumping water all over him. He looks like he's done, right? He looks like, oh, well, you know, Alcarez is the new guy in the block. Somehow he's able to reset, no. win that set, comes back, was serving for it, 5-4, slips up, then they go to a tie break. 
I got off the plane just in time to see the tie break. I got off the plane at uh, JFK. I had to fly into JFK and then cab to LaGuardia. They don't have nonstops to LaGuardia. I don't know why. But uh, what do you think about that? Like being the guy who's about, they're, they're already counting you out. They're already probably saying Alcaraz is now the new king, blah, blah, blah. And then being able to pull yourself back from the brink like that and then come through and win in a third set breaker. There you go. Uh, what, what do we talk about that we don't like to talk about? The intangibles, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's the guys who have the ex- experience, that have the knowledge, that have the know-how, that have been there, that have done that, and, and have 22, you know, whatever grand slams to prove it. Mm-hmm. You know, guy, you know, you got, you got to look at more than just the way the guy plays the game. They all play good tennis. Yeah. All of them play good tennis. But so what separates number one from number 100? That's always been a controversy. Mm-hmm. You know, from going going back to when I first, you know, stepped out on the court as a pro. Uh, you want to be number one? Well, what's going to separate that from you? You know, and, you know, it, it's so minute. But, you know, what that is and how you find that and who has that, that's what's unbelievable. Yeah. But when you find two guys that have that, like Alcaraz and Djokovic, you know, that they're both willing to give everything on every point and not step back for any reason. That's what makes great matches. You like that, like Wimbledon, like they have. Yeah. Do I want to watch some of the other matches? Not really. But do I turn <laughs> in for, tune in for that? Any day. That's what I said. When I got here, I was like, can we just fast forward to that again? <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, there's, there's going to be one day when, when one of them wins four and four. And, and, and you're, go- you're still going to say, what a great fucking match that was. It's going to still be two and a half hours, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're still going to get the excitement and the passion and the love of what they're doing and trying to win a fucking match. Yeah. That, that's, that's what's unbelievable. So, you know, but, but that's what I like say it again is watching the two guys who care so much. It takes a 36 year old guy to make that happen. (laughs) So, you know, that's, and a 20 year old, that's what's cool. That's what that, that's very cool. Yeah. I hope they have another one coming up here at the U S open. Yeah. I think so too. I I might even give up my golf game to watch that. I like it. I like it. Or we can just, we can DVR it for you. Don't worry. Okay. You can still do that. Yeah, we can do that. (laughs) Or we can just send you the the highlights like I did last time. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) Let's use that as a way to get into the U S open. I know you got a pot roast on the oven. We'll just go, go, let's just do a little U S open preview with me. You think maybe coming off of that match that the odds makers see that and oh, maybe, okay. Joker would be the favorite. You would be wrong. Carlos Alcaraz is the favorite, plus 125, to win the 2023 U.S. Open. Joker, not far behind, plus 150. Uh, then you got the 2021 champ, Daniel Medvedev, 6-1. to one. Yannick Sinner, a boy, like we said, is now that he's proven it um, on the hard courts leading up, he's 11-1, to one, the fourth favorite. Then you got Sitsi, wow. eight, Sitsi 18-1, to one, Runa, 20-1, to one, Rude, last year's runner-up, 22-1. to one. Your boy Zverev, 25 to 1. Berrettini, former runner up, 28 to 1. And you got Fritz, 40. And it kind of goes down from there. Eubanks, 50 to 1. Felix, 50 right. to 1. Rublev, quarterfinals right. here before, 50 to 1. So talk to me a little bit about the men, what you think. You know, I think there's a couple of people who are kind of like the fact that Joker and Alcaraz might be taking all the shine. They can kind of come in under well, the let, radar. Let, let, let me ask you this Would you take Joker and Alcaraz against the field? Yes. 
Would you? Yes, because they're going to be stuck on either side of the draw, right? So you figure there's a chance they both make it, and if one guy happens to get knocked out along the way, you at least have somebody on the other side of the draw. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Interesting. What about you? you would you take the field? Well, uh, here, here's here's what I'm thinking. It's three out of five, right? Yep. And and uh, it's, uh, it's a two-week event. It's on hard courts. It de- uh, depends on the weather. It After could be a long hot. season, you know, a lot of people yep. worn out, run down, long summer, all that stuff. Yep, yeah, exactly. A, a lot, a lot comes into it uh, more than just the playing of the game. You know, because you know, I'm gonna say it again. We all know they can play. You know, some just play better than others. But if you put all that in a bowl and mix it up, you, you know, who who are you thinking that's going to win the tournament? Alcaraz and Djokovic. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but like I said, you know, stuff happens at the U.S. Open. You got to put up with a lot of stuff. You got to put up with the city. You got to put up with getting, getting to the, to the site. You got to put up with the crowds. You got to put up with, you know, a lot of stuff that goes on. It, it's a much different, much different beast, much different animal. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It, exactly. Then, then the other slams. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, it, it, it certainly is a place where the cream rises to the top in a hurry, yeah. uh, you know, and, and how they handle that and how they deal with it. You know, a joker can, he's proven that, you know, Carlos can, he wanted here last you know, year. He can. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so who, who, well, who else can put up with that? Yeah. Medvedev. You know? I mean, we know he can, he's won it before. Yep. I'm interested about him. Right. Cause I mean, he's low key had a great year. Carlos has six titles. I think uh, med has five. You know, and uh, I think all on hard court except for Rome, but he gets Rome, a Masters 1000, his biggest clay, you know, his only clay court title, I think, but a big one. You know, it's just depends on the draw. Like, it's going to be tough to take both those guys out. So you're going to have to figure unless they get, you know, uh, knocked out by someone else in your draw, and then maybe you beat that guy, the stopper, as we like to call him. Um, And then maybe you only have to to beat one. To win that, Brad, you're going to have to beat them all anyway. True. You got you got to beat them all anyway, whether it's in the first round of the finals, you know. So yeah, you know, if, if you're not prepared to do that, you're in the wrong game. Yeah. And, and yeah, listen, you, you get highs and you get lows. Yeah, you come in and you hope that when you're playing a Grand Slam, that that you're going into your you're flowing into your prime, where you're going to be playing your best tennis. You don't want to start in the first round. You want to get through the first round, the second round, the third round, but then you want to start. You know, you know, moving up the ladder and playing your best tennis and feeling it and being a part of it and and understanding what it means and 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 how to go about winning that tournament. Right. You know, you you can't win the tournament in the first week, but you can lose it for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. 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 You feel like you just want so, your, there's small goals. You want to like win your first round, you know, and you know the next round, and you want to make the second week, and you know want to make the next weekend, you know, but you never want to get too far ahead. I saw Sakari getting interviewed, and they're like, well, what are you thinking about coming into this? You thinking about this and that and this? She's like, look, I've lost first round twice in Grand Slams this year. She's like, I'm just thinking about my first round match. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> you know, it, it, you know li- li- literally that one that one day at a time, that one match at a time. I hate that saying, but it's true. In, right. in, in a Grand Slam, you know, if you if you look, you know, past your first round, you're a loser. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that, and, and and I say that from experience. Yeah. The the end result is, if you had a gun to my head and said. Alcaraz and Djokovic against the field, who would you take? I'd take them. Yeah, 
I think so too. I mean, I think you got yeah. to, it's, you know, it's tough to see, you know, both of them losing and then, you know, I don't know. We'll see, but okay. Give me your winner and then we'll take a quick look at the women before we move on to some U.S. open questions for you before we get out of here. Yikes. But <laughs> give me my winners. All right. I, I think it's tough for me to bet against uh, the Joker and, and uh, just because of his, his, experiment experience in his heart and everything that uh, that he can do but after winning that match i know he has a week off but that takes a lot out of you and and if if he gets a flow and has some easy matches leading up i take him but <laughs> I, I i think i think i almost have to go for youth oh you're gonna flip it you huh? what are you gonna take both of them i'm gonna have to go for youth but the only thing about alcaraz is is that you know he he can have he can have a little walkabout on occasion right Uh, you know he goes three sets and matches you think he could would would win in straights sometimes like last year last week he went three sets i think three or four times Right, but you know, but you know, he's going to stay in there and fight his ass off for you, no matter what. That, oh yeah, that, and that's one thing I like, you know. So you know, uh, it, it's a long two weeks. I, I hope they meet in the final again, which you know, which will be an incredible match and and, and incredible for the viewing audience and the tennis fan. Yeah, but but and uh, and I'm going to go for the youth this time. You're going to go I'm Carlos going for the youth. Okay. Yeah. You, you go Carlos and then that'll make it easy. I'll go Joker then. That way we can have yeah. uh, something to talk about next week. I'm going to try and get us a guest out here in the U.S. Open, uh, see if we can run into some buddies and uh, maybe have them on or, or do a little guest segment with them. Okay. So you take Carlos. I'll t- I'll go Joker then just because I want to see that okay. matchup. And, and to me, it's like a coin flip and, and I'd love to watch it, another matchup with them and, and have it go five sets. Women, We'll go over quick. Iga plus two twenty five favorite last year's champ. You got Wimbledon uh, last year's Wimbledon champ uh, Rybakina plus four fifty. Savvy plus five hundred. Mm-hmm. And then boom, the two Americans Pagula ten to one. Coco eleven to one. Then you got mm-hmm. last year's runner up and Wimbledon runner up this year. Ons Jabor sixteen to one. Muhova who Coco beat in the finals uh, last week and also the runner up at the French twenty two to one. Wimbledon champ Vondrasova, 22 to 1. Samsonova, 25 to 1. And it kind of falls off mm. from there. Krysikova, 33. And Haddad Maya, 33 to 1. Um, give me just who, what you're looking at. Do you think an American makes a deep run? And uh, and will Yeah, Iga... I mean, how, how can you not think an American can make a deep run? I mean, they've had success in the last, uh, you know, two, three, four weeks. So, you know, they, they're going to make a deep run. But, uh, you know, how deep? You know, you know is, is deep the finals? I think a deep run is semi. I think now when the coming off wins like this, you got to think a deep run would be like semis. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you, you would hope so. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, uh, the and quarters isn't a deep run. Of- if you're like two top six people, you know what I mean? You're supposed to make the quarters. Yeah. Quarters, semis. And, and, uh, you, you know, if you get a break, you, you, you never know. I mean, you know, uh, we talk about this all the time, Brett, that things happen in grand slams, mm-hmm. you know, the nerves take over and feelings take over and your, your the draw game shakes takes- out. You never know how the draw yeah, is going to be. A lot, a lot of things can happen, you know, and, and, you know, so, you know, you got to be able to take advantage of the good things and, and fight through the, you know, the tough parts of it too, you know, yeah. that uh, you might have an easy draw to the, you know, to the round of 16, but then, you know, it gets tougher. You got to be able to beat that too. Yeah. You know, so, 
going okay. to be who uh, give me your but, pick. But, it, but it's fun. It's, it's, it's going to be fun to watch the women because, uh, you know, Iga, uh, you know, she lost uh, the the last tournament. Right. Yeah. Uh, in the finals to semi semis so, in the semis. Yeah. She's not going to like that. No. And she usually rebounds well. Like she usually, pop, you know, comes back from a loss and, and is ready to kick butt, you know. And she's been here practicing. Right. I saw her today. She was practicing for an hour, left the court for a half hour, came back to the same court for another hour, then was out on the center court. So, you know, she's out there wow. grinding and, and getting ready. But I think you're right. The women have more more people, you could say, probably that have a chance to win it. I mean, you got Iga, right. Ryba, Sabi, Pagula, Golf, Jabor. I feel like you could say any one of those people theoretically could win the yeah. title. You know, you wouldn't be yeah. that surprised. I, um, I, I take those six against the field. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a ledge you've gone out on. All right, yeah, give, I'm, I'm, I'm walking a tightrope. Give me your but, winner but, or give me your final two and, and, you know, who you're looking at to come through on the women's side, and then we'll move on. Sabi and Iga. Sabi and Iga, okay. Yep. I like that. And then I'm going to say, I'm going to say Coco and Pagula. Oh, both make Woo. the final all American Woo. final. It would Tip be going. a wet dream for the U S open. They would go crazy. Tip Everyone going. would love it. I don't, <laughs> not exactly a hundred percent confident, but I think it's fun to talk about and uh, it would be amazing if it did happen. So, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm with you. You're with me. Okay, let's move on. We we put up on your Facebook page. Our face your Facebook page gets the best interaction out of all our social media. We put up a picture or a question or you know any any sort of interaction, and within an hour or two, we got you know 50, 60 comments and, and topics and stuff. You guys are great. Please keep it coming. Okay, so a lot yeah. of the stuff. A lot of people are picking Coco and Carlos. There's some jokers in there, but a lot a lot of Cocos. A lot of recency bias with what they've seen. They they like what they've seen. Bandwagon. Yep. Uh, what you did at the 91 Open was one of my favorite things ever. I'm 50 now, and I remember it like it was yesterday. Thank you, Jimmy, picking Alcaraz and Coco. Stuff like that. Gary Swearing, Swearingen? Swearingen? Sorry if I'm butchering your name, Gary. Uh, came up with this one. I wanted to ask your question because you played in Cincinnati. He's like, we're in Cincinnati. We're heartbroken over the potential loss of our longstanding tournament. It's one of the best tourneys in the U.S. And, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. You played there. It's, it sounds like they might want to move yeah. it for a big, I think they're, they're offering to build a huge tennis stadium in like Charlotte, I think somewhere in, in, in North Carolina. Um, what do you think about that? Well, obviously there's no loyalty, <laughs> you know, that tournament's been around since, you know, back in the, you know, the seventies or so I played that and, you know, and, and uh, remember g going to where it is now when it was just, you know, we were, you know, living in a trailer, you know, trying to play the tournament and, and all that. And, you know, so I mean, you know, what what has turned out to be, and and the, you know, the the kind of event it it is with the sponsor and and all that, and and the excitement that it brings has been pretty good. But obviously, there's no loyalty, is there? <laughs> you know, so but but to me, that that doesn't surprise me. No, especially with all the tournaments who have like changed or moved since you played. Right, there was a lot of right. a lot of tournaments that don't exist that are somewhere else now. Right, you know, uh, there used to be a tournament in Indianapolis, that's gone. There used to be a tournament in Louisville, that's gone. There used to be a tournament in Memphis, that's gone. You know, they, they all, you know, try to figure LA. out a way to go. Yeah. You yeah. know, so, you know, you know, so what what would Cincinnati have to do, you know, to, to keep that event? Yeah. Are they even allowed to be able to try to keep the event? That's the question. Right. Uh, you know, so... Yeah, you know, but you know, you you could be around. I mean, that tournament's been around. You'd have to look it up. It's got to be around for forty years or more. Yeah, it's been uh, around a you long know, time. And, and and it draws every big player. 
that's looking to win a, a Masters 1000. So what what have they done wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's, no, uh, I just think it's, it's something where if you throw, hey, we're going to build a $200 million, whatever it is, tennis facility at them, and they're like, they'll probably go to the people and be like, hey, can you match this? You know, like they do with right. NFL teams and stuff. And they're looking yeah. at you like, nah, not for like a 10-day tournament, like once a year, probably not, right? Well, but it's a bummer, you know, it's just, it is the way it is with business and, and, but there doesn't seem to be loyalty. Like there used to kind of be back in the day, but you never know. Maybe, well, maybe no they'll hang on. Either, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, move on to the next one. Next one, forest hills <laughs> on grass, dirt versus flushing metal on hard, uh, when it moved, what, uh, what was your favorite to play on? Cause you won on all three, you, you know, made multiple finals on all of them. Which one did you actually like playing on the most? Let's see. I, I, I liked I liked playing on uh, on the grass because it was it was kind of it was a different kind of grass then and and uh, it was a kind of grass that you you had to ha- change your game to fit that surface and I, I like trying to change my game a little bit and and maybe take more balls out of the air and you know where I was more of a ground stroker so that gave me an opportunity to to be a little more aggressive in a lot of different ways. The clay that we went to, I never understood that because all Americans, you know, in, in 75, 76, and 77, even though I, I won it in 76 and was in the finals of the other 75 and 77, I never understood the change to clay because all Americans are, are most of the Americans were fast court players. Mm-hmm. You know, so what was the reason to go to a slower surface, you know, for the Europeans or for the South, South Americans or you know, to, you know, get them in the mix. I, I, I never understood that, even though I had success there. Right. Once they moved to, to Flushing Meadows, I was home. You know, playing on hard courts, and especially back then where the hard courts were fast and low, and, and was able to, you know, the, the flat ball that I hit and, and, and the penetration, the depth, and, and, and the way I could play, you know, the game that I really wanted to play, mm-hmm. that fit my style. And so, yeah, once it got to Flushing Meadows, I felt uh, very much at home and, and loved playing there. Nice. Someone said that 91 was the most exciting week of sports they ever watched. One of the many people who is going to say they were there the night of uh, McEnroe against Patrick and came down and was in the front row behind the uh, umpire watching you. The, I put a picture of the cover of like, you know, the people's choice after you made your run there. Just kind of, right. ra- you know, talk for a little bit about what the, I know you've talked a lot about it before, but what those, you know, 11 days or what it was, what it meant to you, because I think that's one of those events, you know, that we all have, you know, certain, you know, if you watch a football with your dad or tennis or golf or whatever the sport is, uh, when something like that happens, you usually take it in with whoever it is, you remember it, right? And it becomes nostalgia and becomes part of your history with them and memories. And, you know, if they pass away or they move away, it's something you share, you remember, or talk about forever. And I think your run in 91 was kind of one of those one of those events where it wasn't just a game. You know, it usually has to be more than just a day. You know, like when Nicholas won, you know, when he was 46, it was for four days. And when you went on your run, it's 11 days. You know, it needs to be more than just a game usually. So just talk to us a, bit, a little bit about like what it, meant to you and then how cool that is to know it meant meant so much to other people and like their families with their dad or their mom or whoever they were watching it with. Well, I, I, you know, I look back on that, Brad, and, and uh, you were with me before that, the week or 10 days before that. I played a tournament out on Long Island and, and you were there. And, and, and I, I remember, you know, going out to Flushing Meadows and having to drop you off at the airport 
Yeah, you got rid of us. You're like, get out of here. (laughs) No, I need to concentrate. You had school. Yeah, you had school. Yeah, you know, school was coming up, and and you know, your your mom and your sister were home, and and they said, you know, you you can stay until you know, and, until you got to get, get back to school. And I'm saying, <laughs> you know, you know me, what I said about that, you know, screw the school, yeah. you know, but anyway, you were smart though. You were right. To, you were right to get us out of there. So you could concentrate. You didn't need like kids and us yeah, bouncing off but, the walls but, but and stuff. You, you know, you, you had to take off and, you know, so, you know, all of a sudden now, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, without you. And so what, what, what was I there for? You know, you know, my, my whole year of, being away from tennis and, and having reconstructive wrist surgery and all that was, was, was meant to lead up to one thing. And, and that, and that was the U S open. Uh, I, I played the French decent results. I played Wimbledon decent results, but you know, that was all to me, uh, a mere, uh, image of what I was looking for, uh, you know, in New York and, and to, to go into New York and, and to, to try to make an impression of being out of the game for a year or more, a year and a half, you know, with uh, with what I went through, you know, was was very important. I mean, but obviously everybody was looking at me like I'm done. Yeah. You know, and and that's the last thing I wanted. I didn't want people to tell me I was done. I wanted to be done on my own terms, you know. And and by you know when I say that, I'm, I'm saying that you know I I didn't want somebody to say. Listen, your wrist isn't good enough. We can't. We can't do this. We can't do that. You know, get an operation. Oh, I won't get an operation. Okay. If if I was going to go through it and be it, I I had to live it and go through whatever I wanted to do and whatever was necessary for me to be able to play that tournament. Mm-hmm. And and I was willing to do that. Right. And, and the pain and the agony that I went through. I mean, you know, after spending you know weeks in a cast in a full arm cast and then weeks in this and and the way you know you you and your sister would go out in the evenings on our court Mm -hmm. at our house and would actually toss me balls you know like like your grandmother used to do when i was four you three and four years old you know just to see if i could you know actually swing the racket and and grip the you know know, have a good grip on it right i remember that you know so yeah, yeah. Those eleven days was much more than tennis to me. It was, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was what I was gonna, you know, trying to be all about, mm-hmm. and, and and you know what my, my whole legacy would be, <laughs> you know, that you know, willing to you know, spill my blood and and leave it on those courts to try to, you know, win tennis matches and, and, and give the fans what they came for. That, that's, that's what my whole feeling was for that event, mm-hmm. you know, and, and being down two sets, love three, love 40 in the first round, you know, I mean, uh, you know, and, and three quarters of, of that stadium left. And, 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 and I know what they were saying. You know, even even your your godfather Nastasi was saying, "Poor Jimmy." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he he took off with Clark and went out and had dinner and 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 all that kind of you know and 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 left. Clark always it. leaving early. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's our buddy though. <laughs> you know, but 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 I I, I got that. You yeah. know, I, I was kind of feeling sorry for myself too, and saying, you know, what the fuck. You know, and, 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 you know, I, I can't go out like this. I got to make a match out of this. I got to do something, you know, and, and I've always said 
said, you know, that that matches can turn on a, on on an instant. Mm-hmm. You know, one shot, one yell from the crowd, one point, one anything. You know, things can change in an instant, and especially. You know, I mean, I, I was playing McEnroe, but I wasn't playing John McEnroe. What what the hell? What You know, what he have the offer? He didn't want right. any grand slams. And, you know, he had me two sets of love and a break. So what? You know, right. stick in there and give it a grind and, you know, and try to figure something out. You know, yeah. you never know what can happen. And, and there you go. Mm-hmm. Something happened. Right. And then you had 11 more days of it, right? Yeah. But... But that that was more than just tennis, Brad. Isn't that neat, though, how, like, it's not just you, it's this, like, thing with other people? You know what I mean? Like, we all yeah, know you it was, did it. it was, like, you know, I, I was I was 39, and and, and people, you know, that, uh, you know, thought that 39 or 40 was old. You know, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, that wasn't old anymore. I'm out there, you know, playing four- and five-hour matches and trying to figure out how to win a U.S. Open, and and people are saying he's 39 years old, and, and what you're sitting on the couch, <laughs> you know, it became more than just uh, about the tennis, mm-hmm. and and you know the that's you what know, I the think was cool about it is it became like a wave, you know, it became like a thing that everyone yeah. could get behind because everyone's been counted out or every you know people are middle aged or over you know over the hill or whatever they want to call it, they'd look at it and go, hey man, like you know I could have one more chance or one more time that I could you know be be the winner or be number one. Right. You know, I think that's what's that's what's neat. And and the interesting thing is, you know, for me, but there 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 was people who, you know, still after after all those years, you know, were negative. Connors is an ass. He's a this. He's a he's a shit. He's a you know, whatever. And you you know what that did? That just drove me even more. Would you want him to fakely kiss your ass all the time? You know no, what I mean? <laughs> like, no, I don't get not. it. Like, Are you I just, kidding? yeah. Listen, that that took me back to my youth. <laughs> it gives you motivation, right? Motivation that drove me even more. Right. You know, to you know, to go out and, and to to you know, you know, just throw everything away because I I knew I was at the end. Yeah, I I knew I knew I was done. It was my last opportunity. I should have basically quit then. I played one more year because shit, they were throwing so much money at me. I couldn't afford not to. Well, well, yeah, you, you signed all the deals that you made off the, of 91. And so like you had to go kind of play because you had signed all these deals. So it's like, might as well go play another couple of years. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And then it started a senior tour, yep. but, but, uh, that it was, you know, so, so, you know, but uh, you know, I hate to say that, but uh, you know, that's the first time I've ever said that and, and never done that, but what the fuck, you know, I gotta be like everybody else once in a while, <laughs> you know? So, but, okay. uh, it was an amazing 11 days. And, 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 uh, you know, the, the, the exciting thing was, you know, calling home every night after my matches, you know, <laughs> and talking to, yeah. to you and, and, and mom and, and Aubrey and you guys still being up at, you know, 10, 10 30, 11 o'clock at night, you know, and, and uh, having school the next day and all that. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, saying, you know, Jesus, dad, I said, you yeah, you tune in and watch. Yeah. You know, and you're talking to your aunt Brenda and, you know, and, and all that. I mean, it was an amazing 11 days and, 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 but, but I was kind of in the eye of the hurricane, you know, everything was swirling around me, uh, you know, and, and I was in it, it was kind of quiet. Uh, and, you know, so, you know, I was just trying to do my, my job and, and continue to win tennis matches, but the swirl around, you know, that, uh, that 11 days was an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, if, if I, if I go back and you, you say, what's the, what's the best times 
that I ever had in tennis. I mean, you, you start at the beginning, but I I start at the end. You know, that, that was the best of everything yeah. that I ever worked for, you yeah. know, and, and to get out of tennis was to hear that noise yeah. of that crap. I mean, it, it, it was, it, oh, yeah, it was deafening and, and, and it was amazing. Yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't think people have seen crowds react like that, you know, not too often since. But, uh, I mean, I think that's what's cool are those moments where, like, obviously it benefits the people who win, but then the people out there enjoy it so much. Like, think about, like, someone enjoying, like, you winning. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't win. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it doesn't benefit them in any way, except that they're just rooting for you. Like, they're your fan well, or they like you or whatever it is, you know? And so that you winning means so much to where it imprints this memory into their brain and their mom or their dad or whoever, the sister, cousin, brother. And then for the rest of their life, it occupies a space in their brain that they like think of often together. You know, I think that's, isn't that, isn't that something that's been 30 something years later and they still talk about it. Right. You know, that, that to me, you know, that's enough. Yeah. It says it all. And I think it's the, you know, out of all the stuff you did, it's the, the, the thing people talk about the most because it's probably the most relatable to the most people. You know what I mean? And I didn't, and, and I didn't win. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh Shout my out. God. Just think what would happen. It's almost better. I didn't win. I, I don't know. I, you know, what do you print? The myth or the legend? <laughs> well, they, they put you on the cover of Sports uh, Illustrated, uh, but, not the winner. But it, but it's it it, it was a, it was a, it was amazing and and uh, you know uh, Stefan Edberg won the tournament uh, Jim Courier beat me in the semis and Stefan Edberg beat Courier in the finals to win the uh, the win the championship congratulations to him but I mean it, it was the one thing that I liked best is, is that winning matches seven six in the fifth and whatever six four in the fifth or whatever it was was always to me what what that game was all about yeah you know because more came into it than just hitting balls i mean winning a match two and two was was also good don't get me wrong but you know to at, at, at that time to still be able to win matches at, at uh you know after three and a half four and a half whatever hours you know was was uh you know was was just kind of uh, uh, a testament <laughs> to what I had put into uh, wanting to come back and be successful there. And, yeah. and that was, uh, it was a good, uh, it was a good time to, to kind of feel like walking away. And, and, uh, it was amazing. Nice good time. Well, I think that's a good place to end. I haven't had dinner yet, so I need to get, uh, Me some, neither. yeah, well, I gotta be at work at seven and it's 11 15. I need to get but, off and, and get a little food in my belly before we go back to qualifying round two start kicks off tomorrow. This will come out Friday, but, uh, qualies is well underway. Uh, anything, anything else you got going this week before, uh, before we say goodbye? It's uh, it's all good. Uh, just uh, you can follow me at Jimmy Connors on Twitter uh, at Brett underscore Connors uh, at Advantage Connors. Uh, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Keep, keep the keep the questions coming to my Facebook, and uh, we love hearing from you and what you're thinking about. And always good being with you, son. I know you you've got a busy week, so keep me up to date. Let me know how your days are going, and uh, I miss you, and I'll see you soon. Okay, sounds good. I'll talk to everyone, and we'll check in next week, hopefully with a guest from the Open. Peace.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.